everyone and this is episode 15 of Going Beyond Salvation and this is your host Jess Robinson and this is season 2 of of this show and so we are continuing on in our reading of numbers and so to go into the book of numbers uh, we're still in chapter 6 and we're starting in verse 22 and this is a priestly blessing that the that is given and it's you know the lord bless you and keep you the lord make his face shine upon you and be gracious to you the lord turn his face towards you and give you peace and so you know when you look at this um and it's it's a priestly blessing but it's it's for everyone and blessing is is god's idea and he desires to bless all of his covenant people as, as a manifestation of his gracious love. That's how God is. And when we look at this priestly blessing, it was, it was threefold. And the Lord keep you in verse 24. That means, you know, security from, from the plunderer, which is, which is Satan and evil forces. You know, it doesn't mean that, you know, we're, we still don't battle against Satan and his evil forces, but we're, we're given security. We have the Lord to take refuge in and, and take shelter in. And then the second part in verse 25, the Lord's face shine upon you. This was speaking of his acceptance and favor resulting in temporal and spiritual blessing. And then verse 26 is, the Lord turned his face towards you in peace. And the Hebrew word for that is shalom, which you'll you hear them actually greet each other with shalom. And this means being complete, so nothing necessary to make life full and meaningful is lacking. It takes us back to Psalm 23, where, you know, I shall not be in want. We have such peace in the Lord. When you have such a relationship with the Lord, you end up having such a peace that really all that is in this world, you know, you're more satisfied with the Lord and just anything else that comes after that is just, you know, it's just not, you know, we don't have to have it to satisfy us. It's, you know, there, but you know, when we're so close to the Lord, that he is what brings peace and satisfaction. You know, the opposite of peace is disharmony and, and the presence of evil in many forms. You know, peace is, you know, wholeness of life and well-being that encompasses spiritual and physical soundness and right relationships. You know, when we... You know, the Lord just really, you know, when you have peace and when you have that wholeness of life and well-being, you know, it helps in your relationships. It helps, you know, how you deal with people on a daily basis. And so, you know, God blesses his people so that his ways may be known on the earth and his salvation among all nations. You know, when we you know, just keep saying, you know, and you can always tell, you know, like I know somebody, you know, when you say, Hey, and I mean, I see it out and he does it not just in, in church, but he does it out in the world in front of people that don't go to church. And he's like, you greet him. And he says, you know, I've never had a bad day in my life. 
And, you know, I think that is going to cause somebody to go, what kind of person is this that they never have a bad day in their life? And that's just because that's how we are with the Lord. You know, when we're saying we're blessed or we've never had a bad day in our life, you know, it, it starts to shine and, and penetrate to people. And so, you know, and that's how the Lord wants to be. He wants to work in our lives in such a way that we feel blessed, that we feel complete with him, that it's going to, you know, just seep out and that we will be light and salt to those around us. And so that's pretty much it with chapter six. And then they jump into the offerings at the dedication of the tabernacle. So these are each of the tribes had to bring in, you know, items to dedicate, you know, for the, the dedicate the tabernacle. And yes, they list everything. And even though it seems repetitious, it's in there for a reason. And so I'm not going to repeat every single tribe what they brought in. You know, that's going to take a while. But they bring all these offerings in and for the dedication. And then the I just want to point out that Moses enters the tent of meeting to speak with the Lord. And he hears the voice of the Lord speaking to him from between the two cherubim above the atonement cover on the Ark of the Testimony. I mean, God's presence was there. And I think, you know, as believers, I think we want to be kind of like Moses where, you know, when you have like a place where you're praying or, you know, like in your home or, you know, as you get into, you know, having a prayer time with the Lord, it's just like you want to be able to walk in and hear the voice of the Lord and and know that it's that he's there. I know that's a desire that I've had and you know, as I talked in the last podcast where the Lord has been dealing with me about doing some fasting, you know, it, it's, I know it's the Lord speaking to me because he knows my desire to draw closer to him. And so, you know, I really desire for that. And I think we should all have that desire where we just walk in even to our prayer closets and just say, you know, just know that the presence of the Lord is right there. So that's essentially it for numbers. There wasn't very much to really talk about today on numbers. So we're going to take a quick break and we're going to jump into Mark chapter 10. And we are back. And I thought I said Mark chapter 10 before we cut out, um, I'm at Mark chapter 9. We're finishing up Mark chapter 9. And, and yeah, we just got done, you know, with this, you know, the healing of this, of this boy that this demon was just causing him to have epileptic seizures and trying to kill him. And then we just continue on in, in this deal and you know that it goes into you know who is the greatest and 
you know, they're having this argument. The disciples are having this argument about, you know, who's the greatest. And we kind of talked about this with Matthew, with some of the parables that um, Jesus tells. But here in the in the book of Mark, Jesus is not so much about teaching. You know, Mark is not about showing, you know, having Jesus teachings. It's more about what he did. And, you know, he, they you know, tell them, you know, about who's the greatest, you know, they're having the disciples, you know, the disciples are just having this argument about who's the greatest disciple. And notice this happens after the transfiguration when, you know, Peter, James, and John, who are the inner circle of Jesus are with him. And they're all having this argument about who's the greatest. And Jesus, you know, he just takes him aside and he just says to him, you know, if you want to be first, you must be the very last and the servant of all, you know, and he gives, brings a child to them, you know, and when you think about a child, you know, and having childlike faith, childlike humility, you think about a child, especially a baby, you know, they're very dependent on their parents and, you know, they're very, very dependent on their their parents. And so, you know, he he has them, you know, say, whoever welcomes one of these little children in my name welcomes me, and whoever welcomes me does not welcome me, but the one who sent me. So, you know, you take a child who is so innocent and, you know, and dependent, and he says, you know, if you accept one of these, you know, one of these kids then, you know, you accept me. And if you accept me, you also accept the Lord. And so, you know, he, he starts giving this lesson to these disciples. And, you know, and I just want to say, you know, the these disciples of Christ, including the 70 he sent out, you know, they were scattered, you know, throughout the country they were praying for the sick and you know and ex- exercising spirits they were preparing the way for Jesus to come and we see in verse 38 we move from this whole lesson about who is the greatest and it moves into there's you know John and you know he's concerned about someone they did not know who was ga- casting out devils in Christ's name and we see that Christ he he doesn't rebuke John, but he just instructs him that to leave the person alone and let him minister, let them minister to others. Because since they're performing miracles in his name, it meant they were part of Christ's team and not against against him. You know, and we'll see this also in, in Numbers uh, chapter 11. You know, we'll see that come up happen when you know the holy spirit comes across these these 70 men you know that are going to be set apart you know they're kind of like you know elders to help moses with with the israelites and to lead however when the spirit of the lord is coming upon them there was two men and their names eldad and, and medad they weren't personally chosen, but somehow they're experiencing the spirit of the Lord coming upon them and they start prophesying. 
and Joshua, you know, Moses's aide, he's, he's concerned and he, he wants Moses to rebuke him because he's like, they're not personally chosen. They, they shouldn't be doing this, but Moses, you know, and, and we'll find out that, you know, in our reading that Moses was the most humble person and he had such humility. His response is, I just wish everybody was, you know, had the spirit of the Lord on on them. Like that was his wish. He, it wasn't just this, these 70 men. He wanted all of them, you know, and that, you know, he wishes that they were all prophets. And so, you know, it, it's a huge lesson, you know, and I think we get that way where I think it's, yeah, and it just depends on the personality of the person. But I think sometimes, you know, we see, you know, somebody else doing something and we kind of just, it's kind of a territorial kind of thing. And I think it's just the way, you know, society is, is where it's kind of competition, you know, you see yourselves as, as rivals and that's not how it is in Christ's kingdom. You know, if somebody is, you know, reaching to somebody for Jesus and, 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 you know, witnessing to people out on the streets and it's, you know, particularly the street that you live on. I don't think you should rebuke that person to get off the, off of your street. You know, if, if they're doing what, you know, Christ put on their heart to do, you know, or they're going around and knocking on door to door and say, Hey, you should come to church, you know, don't get offended and rebuke them and say, Hey, you're on my street. You know, well, if, you know, if they are on your street and you're a Christian, then why aren't you the one knocking on their doors is my question, you know, but, you know, if they're not, you know, if they're, you know, if they're, you know, preaching in Jesus's name and going and, and sharing the gospel, they're on your side, you know? Now, if they're teaching wrong doctrine and, you know, yeah, you need to, you need to intervene, but, you know, if they are going and, and praying with people, praying with the sick and, and in Jesus name, you know, don't hinder them from doing that. So continuing on in Mark chapter 9, causing to sin, I kind of wanted to research a little bit more on millstones, and millstones were, were used in that time, and this was also, you know, where this causing to sin was also in Matthew chapter 18 verses 1 through 10 and in in Matthew it was happening you know in the same day you know as questions about taxes and tributes and 
you know, the disciples, you know, at that time desired to, to know who would be promoted to the highest positions in Christ's future kingdom. And that, in, in, in the book of Matthew, we see it's in a different part in, in Mark. And, you know, Christ, you know, he calls a child himself, you know, and it's em emphasizing childlike humility and that, you know, children were the greatest in, in the kingdom because they're almost like servants. They're very dependent on, you know, on their parents. And so we have to be tend de dependent on the Lord. And then... We talk about millstones, and I was looking up about millstones, and, you know, it was a large round stone that was using for grinding grain. That's what it was used in that time. Now, there were two types of millstones that existed. You know, there was a hand millstone, and they were small enough for individuals to hold and, and, and grind, but there was also larger millstones that required two people to to turn and sometimes they would get big enough for where it required an animal and in that time you know and there was a certain punishment in that time regarding millstones either millstone that was used you could tie it around somebody's neck and they would drown because it was heavy and now the Jews never practiced this type of punishment, but it was found that Romans, Greeks, and Syrians, they used millstones to drown the worst type of criminals. And so he was using, Jesus was using this example to show the spiritual danger of offending and harming a child. Especially we can use that as a warning about offending and harming especially a brand new believer and you know we have to be careful of that because their faith is fairly brand new they're depending on anybody they can you know to help them to understand this walk what they have with God and so we have to be very careful and now, it doesn't say that you cover up sin or anything like that. It's just meaning we have to be careful about, you know, offending and harming. And even other believers doing the same thing. It doesn't just have to be a brand new believer in Christ. And, you know, offenses, they occur in life. But there are those who, whose job, you know, they feel like their job is to offend people all the time. <laughs> and I've come across those people and I think it's their personality type to do to do that and you just have to pray for people like that and I know there are people like that personally and you know I pray for them that they will stop you know that the Lord will grab hold of their heart and say hey you need to to not be like this and so we have to be the same way and it's now Mark, in the book of Mark, he he adds the statement where the worm, 
you know, in, in the King James, it's where the worm dieth not and the fire is not quenched. And this comes from Isaiah, you know, chapter six, 66, verse 24. Now, you, you know that that worms eat a corrupted body in an open field. You know, that's how they figure out how a person, how long a person has been dead is by the, the development of the insects on a person. Now, when the skin is gone and the bones remain, the worms die or most of them become flies. So, you know, a person who, you know, when he's talking about hell, a person who is in hell, the worm's never going to die because the flesh is, it's never going to die out. It's never going to be gone. That's something that you got to think about. Like hell is real and it's, you know, and we get into verses 49 through 50 because it's very difficult. It says, everyone shall be salted with fire. And think people think it's some form of purgatory or purging fire that everyone has to pass through. But it's referring to the fact that salt is used for to prevent the flesh from putrefaction and corruption. So... When you're in hell, you're going to be preserved and never consumed by the fire, but it's going to be there. And I remember my uncle, who was an atheist, he, before he died, he was having visions of hell and that he was in a fire and he was trying to get out, but something was pushing him back in and it was like hot. And it was like, you know, we were telling him, you know, you're having visions of hell. <laughs> That's God telling you, you need to get right. So that's essentially, you know, hell is real. When we read these verses, hell is real. And so, you know, as he's giving that warning, you know, and yeah, don't, you know, it doesn't really literally mean to cut off your foot or pluck out your eye. But if something's causing you to sin and you, you know, it's a temptation, even if you keep it in your home, you need to get rid of it. You know, it's just. You just have to get that sin out of your life and not welcome it, welcome it, and even on your doorstep. So, you know, that's my challenge to you: is what what is in your life that is a stumbling block that you just need to get rid of? You know, do you just need to get rid of internet? Do you need to not even have a TV? What do you need to do to to not get into sin? You know, so. That's pretty much it for today's episode. I just uh, want to let you know for the next uh, reading, we're going to read Numbers chapter 8, verse 1 through chapter 9, verse 14. Psalm 35, verses 17 through 21. Proverbs 6, verses 12 through 13. And Mark chapter 10, verses 1 through 31. And so I'll just end in a prayer. And I just want to say thank you, Lord Jesus, for who you are, Lord. And Lord, we just thank you, God, that, Lord, when we accept you as our Lord and Savior, that, Lord, you save us from the fire, Lord God. And I just pray, God, that you would just help us to live a life that is set apart for you, that we would just desire for your presence, Lord God, and to know you even more. And I just pray that as we read your word and continue to read your word and pray your word and even in our prayer times, that, Lord, you just bring revelation into our hearts 
and about your love, about who you are, Lord, that we would just know you even more. And we just thank you for all that you're doing and continue to do. We give you the glory and the honor in Jesus' name. Amen. Thank you.